0: Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anything that brings more joy to my heart than seeing the people of God sharing God's love. That's great. Please join me with our responsive reading that's uh, printed in your worship folder and also will be on the screen. It's titled Scars. All scars tell a story, stories of wounds suffered. Our individual scars tell the story of our lives, a story that begins and ends with love. Amen.
1: I'd like to invite the children to come forward. Good morning. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, and Easter is whenever Jesus came back, the resurrection, right? Well, he he has shown us his love and his grace, and today we're going to learn the sign language to a few words in the song Amazing Grace. Thank you. And put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. You pray with me. Our dear Heavenly Father,
0: we come to you humbly before you in this house. We give thanks for all your blessings. We give praise for all your miracles. We ask that we continue to be in your favor, do your good works, do your good deeds. May we give of our time, our tithes,
1: and our talents. Freely, openly, and wholeheartedly. We ask this in your name. Amen.
0: Life is indeed worth living because he lives. Amen? One of my favorite scenes from the world of motion pictures is the scene from Jaws when the crew of the tiny boat sent out to deal with the monster from the deep are below deck, a little bit tipsy, and comparing scars. You remember that scene? Wonderful scene. One one of the one of the guys takes out his tooth and brags about the permanent lump on his head from a bar fight at, on St. Patrick's Day in Boston. Another one brags, I got that beat. As he shows a scar on his forearm, he says, that's from a moray eel bit right through my wetsuit. Then he pulls up the leg of his pants exposing his calf. He says, you see that? That's from a bull shark. He scraped me when I was taking some samples. And the other guy pulls up his pant leg and says, that's from a thresher, a thresher's tail. And then finally one of them opens up his shirt and he says, I have the creme de la creme right there. Do you see that? Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. (laughs) And then finally when asked about a scar on his forearm, The captain said that that was where he had a tattoo removed, a tattoo of the USS Indianapolis, a ship that was torpedoed by a Japanese submarine during World War II. The Indianapolis held almost 1,200 sailors, and 900 were able to jump ship, most of them only with their, their life jackets as the ship sank. And then those 900 sailors spent the next five days suffering through constant shark attacks, starvation, terrible thirst and exposure, not to mention their own wounds. Only 317 of that 1,200 member crew survived. I think this tells us something of wh- of why we are so fascinated with scars, why grown men will roll up their pant legs and brag about this scar or that scar. It's because they have meaning. They are physical reminders to us of our lives. They mark our history, if you will, both good and bad. A couple of years ago, the Reuters news service carried a story about a a Russian teenager who survived a a lightning strike, which was so powerful that it it actually vaporized a gold gold cross that she had around her neck. The bolt hit this young woman on the top of her head and, and seared through her body into the ground, and the necklace that she had been wearing was atomized, leaving burns in the shape of a cross on her neck. Only a couple of links of the chain could could even be found. And the doctor at the hospital said it was a miracle that she survived this. But she did survive, and and she's doing quite well now. But, says the report, she will have a deep scar on her neck where the cross was for the rest of her life. In a similar fashion, after Jesus' resurrection from the grave, he still bore the scars From the cross that took his life. We read in the gospel of John. On the evening of that first day of the week. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you. And after he said this he showed them his hands and his side. And then a few verses later we read. Now Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came that day. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and and Thomas was with them this time. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, he turned to Thomas and he said, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe. And that's when Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, Thomas said that unless he could see the nail marks in Jesus' hands and put his fingers where the nails had been and put his his hand into Jesus' side, he would not believe that Jesus was really alive. And that's exactly what happened. And to me, it is significant that even though Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, his body still bore the scars from his crucifixion. Beautiful, beautiful scars. And indeed, this is a reminder to us that no one ever achieves anything of lasting significance without getting a few scars along the way. Isn't that true? No one makes any lasting contribution to the world who does not pay a price for it. Just this this week, we have passed the deadline for getting our taxes in. I hope you got your taxes in. Hope you managed to get it in on time. But but today we we might remember a well-known tax evader. His name was Henry David Thoreau. Unlike most modern-day tax evaders who are mostly intent on hanging on to their money, Henry David Thoreau willingly went to jail rather than pay taxes to support the Mexican-American War, which was a war fought in the interests of slavery. You might remember a famous exchange between Thoreau and his friend, Ralph Waldo Emerson. One day, as Emerson was strolling past the jail, he said, Henry, what are you doing in there? And Thoreau replied, Ralph, what are you doing out there? And the point was, of course, that there are some causes that are worth the sacrifice. There are some causes worthy of of suffering, worthy of obtaining a scar for. And we need to understand that that not all Christians have chosen the safe, secure life that most of us enjoy. We need to know that there, there are people out there like Dr. Eleanor Chestnut, after arriving in China... In eighteen ninety three under the auspices of the American Presbyterian Missions board, Dr. Chestnut built a, a, built a hospital using her own money for the bricks and the mortar. The need for her services were so great that she actually performed surgeries in her bathroom until the building was was completed. One operation that she that she performed involved the, the amputation of a man 's leg and and there were complications that arose and skin grafts were needed. And then a few days later, another doctor asked why Dr. Chestnut was limping. And she said, oh, it's nothing. But a nurse revealed that the skin graft for this patient, a laborer from the bottom of, of Chinese society, that skin graft came from Dr. Chesney's, or Chestnut's leg itself her own leg, taken with only a local anesthetic. Sadly, during the Boxer Rebellion of 1905, Dr. Chestnut and four other missionaries were killed by a mob that swarmed the hospital. But Eleanor Chestnut knew the dangers of serving in China. However, her faith was strong. And her commitment to Christ and her commitment to the Chinese people was complete. And today the Chinese Christian community is the fastest growing body of Christians in the world. But it would not even be there in this historically closed society if people like Eleanor Chestnut were not willing to bear on their own bodies the scars of commitment. Just like the scars of Jesus Christ, her scars remind us that that no one ever achieves anything of lasting significance without getting a few scars along the way. But the scars of Jesus also remind us of just how much Jesus loves us. They remind us of of how much Jesus loves us. We were treated just a few moments ago with our children's uh, moment signing through the song of, America, of amazing grace. But, and some of you may be familiar with the American sign language, the language that serves so many of our friends who are deaf. And I was looking for it, and it didn't come up in this song. But do you know what the, what the sign for Jesus is? It's the tip of the middle finger of one hand touching the palm of the other. When a deaf person is, is worshiping in a setting like this, they will make that, that sign many times during the worship service as they, as they say the word Jesus. Jesus, the one with scarred hands. And when they touch that place where the scars were, they remember what Jesus did. The details of Christ's death have always had an impact on those who believe in Him. Though sometimes in ways that are are not so healthy. The New York Times Magazine carried a story a while back about a a group of American Indians who had been converted to Christianity. They're called the Penitentes. But the centerpiece of their frightening ritual was a, a Good Friday reenactment of the crucifixion. Every year on Good Friday, one of their members is literally nailed to the cross while others mutilate themselves in the pattern of, of Jesus' wounds. and They were, in a sense, Jesus' impersonators who carried the imitation of Christ to a bloody, literal conclusion. Now, I'm not in favor of this. I, I don't think it's necessary to prove or improve our faith by doing something like this. I don't think Christ wants us to Scar our bodies as ways of of showing our devotion. But you know something. We can't help but to be moved. By the knowledge. That the pure son of God. Who knew no sin. Allowed himself to be brutalized. And slain. By sinful human beings. And why did he do it? He did it out of an unadulterated love for you and me. It's like a story that William Barclay once told about a young French soldier during World War I. He was seriously injured and his his arm was so badly smashed that it, it had to be amputated. And, and he was a, a handsome young man, a handsome young man. And, and so the surgeon grieved that he was He would have to go through the rest of his life with with just one arm. And so he waited at the bedside of this young man to tell him the bad news when he recovered his consciousness. And when the boy's eyes fluttered open, the surgeon said to him, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you've lost your arm. And the boy replied, Sir, I did not lose my arm. I gave it for France. France. In the same way, Jesus did not lose his life. He gave it for you and me. What wondrous love is this, wrote the poet, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the beautiful curse for my soul, for my soul. And that's what those scars say to us. This is how much God loves us. He won the battle over sin and death, but it did not leave him unscarred. The Reverend Christy Brown tells about a a tennis friend who understands about scars. This friend is a a highly fit 30-something-year-old woman, yet she she wears a brace on on each knee. And Brown once pointed to her friend's knee and asked if the the scar on her knee was from, from surgery. And she said, no, it's from my son. And I actually have another one just like it on the other knee. Here's the story. Several years ago, this young mother scooped up her toddler from a swimming pool and was walking towards the lounge chairs over on the side. But as she as she stepped on the, the tiled patio, her foot slipped. And she was also seven months pregnant at the time. And And this was one of those moments where... Where you feel like time is just standing still. It's, it's just in slow motion. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And within just a split second, she knew that her momentum was toppling her forward. And she could either fall on top of her small child and her unborn child, or she could fall on her knees. And of course, as a loving parent, she fell onto her knees directly onto the concrete, and her knees immediately burst open with blood flowing everywhere. She ended up needing stitches, which resulted in terrible deep scars. But her son and her unborn child were unscathed. It's hard for me to tell this story, says Christy, because to me, it serves as a small example of the immense sacrifice and love That Jesus Christ has for each of us. You see we are. We are God's beloved children. We are the people for whom. Jesus took the fall. He suffered on the cross. And endured unimaginable pain. For each of us. And his is the greatest scar story ever told. This brings us to the final thing to be said today, and that is that Jesus' scars are a summons to us to commit ourselves more fully to his work. Probably the, the saddest commentary on any of our lives is the fact that we bear so few scars for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his kingdom. We bear so few scars for the sake of Christ and His kingdom. Doesn't it concern you that, that, that our faith really requires so little of us? I mean, think about that. Well, some of us tithe, and, and, and that's a considerable sacrifice. But when you think about it, 10% is about half what we give the waiter, waiter who brings us our food at a table. And we're here at worship. Most of the time, most Sundays. But for many, it's only when something more pressing, like a family outing or a fishing trip or whatever, doesn't get in the way. I don't think anybody will accuse most of us of being fanatics about our religion. And in some ways, that's sad. sad. There's a jarring TV commercial that ran not too long ago. Um, it's a Nike commercial, and I'm going to ask our audiovisual team to play it right now, and you'll kind of you'll kind of see where it's coming from there. You
2: are so Yeah, everything I hope for.
0: As you see, this commercial features no dialogue. It's simply a series of people who have one thing in common, a nasty scar or some kind of injury. There's the cowboy with the, the huge scar around his eyes and the, the fellow with the, the, the bulbous cauliflower ear, another with horribly calloused feet. But, but, and there's no explanation at all. It's just the Nike swoosh and the words, just do it. The ad has been analyzed and criticized as being incomprehensible and extreme, but the key to this commercial lies in the music in the background. Joe Cocker's wonderful words being sung You are so beautiful to me. To these athletes, the wrestler with the cauliflower ear. The surfer with the, with the shark bike. The bull rider with, that's blind in one eye. To these athletes, their injuries are beauty marks from their commitment to their sport. And to their fans, these athletes are beautiful because of their scars. The ad's creator, Mike Foligno, says, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and indeed it is. It certainly is. It reminds me of one last story about a Confederate general named John Gordon. John Gordon directed the last official action against the the Union Army on a Sunday morning in April of 1865 at Appomattox when Lee surrendered to Grant. Later, Gordon became a candidate for the U.S. Senate However, a man who had once served under Gordon became enraged over some political incident. And as a member of the legislature, he vowed to do all that he could to to defeat Gordon. And, And so at the convention, this man stormed down the aisle to present his vote against Gordon in order to stop his bid for election. But as he neared the platform where Gordon sat, he happened to look up at his former commander This once handsome face was now disfigured with battle scars. And that's when he recalled the actions in which Gordon had led his troops. Actions that had left him permanently disfigured. Overcome with emotion, Gordon's opponent had tears falling from his cheeks. And he declared to that assembly that day that he could not vote against John Gordon. And turning to Gordon, he asked the general's forgiveness. Forgive me, general, he said. I had forgotten the scars. Victorious, but not unscarred. That is how we too will one day see our Lord. And it will remind us that nothing great is ever accomplished without receiving a few scars along the way. But most importantly, it will remind us of his great love for us. I just wonder if on that day when we see him face to face, I wonder if he'll examine us for some scars too. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn, number 475, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone. This is an opportunity for you to respond to the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life today. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, we invite you to make that commitment today. The scars that Jesus' body bears are scars that are put there because of you and me. They are scars that demonstrate to us that there is nothing that Christ will not do for your soul to forgive your sins and to establish that relationship with you. He will go to the very grave itself. Thankfully, it is not the end of the story, He was resurrected. But He also died for you. Now, if you've never made that commitment to, to Christ, I hope you'll do it today. I hope you'll realize what these scars indicate, what they signify. They signify His great love for you and His willingness to forgive you whatever you've done. All you have to do is say yes to Him. And we invite you to do that. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church today or or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to pray with us. Would you come as we sing together? Must Jesus bear the cross alone? Would you come? Share we might.